Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Dave Smith, bringing you real-time news, fresh like live radio, but on demand like podcasts. Here's the latest. Everyone is talking about Will Smith this morning for all the wrong reasons. Last night was supposed to be the biggest night of his career. He won the Oscar for Best Actor for his role in King Richard. But before that, Smith got into a physical altercation with Chris Rock, who had made a joke about Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett. Smith stormed on stage, slapped Rock in the face, returned to his seat, and shouted an expletive-ridden sentence twice at the top of his lungs, which had to be silenced during the telecast. During his acceptance speech, Smith was in tears and apologized to the Academy for his actions, but it's unclear what the long-term fallout will be for him. While Russian forces may be pulling back from some key positions in Ukraine, the besieged port city of Mariupol may be close to falling. It has endured weeks of brutal shelling and lacks even the most basic supplies. Zelensky says he has told the city's defenders he'll understand if they have to leave to save their own lives, but they have refused to go. Ukrainian President Zelensky says he's willing to make an important concession to discuss neutrality for Ukraine. It means giving up Ukraine's hope of joining NATO for now. But to do so, he said, Ukrainians would have to vote on it. And that means Russian troops would have to withdraw. He made his comments in a 90-minute interview in Russian with Russian journalists, which the Kremlin then censored. Asia's biggest oil refiner, China's state-owned Sinopec, has suspended talks for a huge investment in Russia's gas industry. Reuters reports that although China has been reluctant to join Western sanctions or even criticize Russia behind the scenes, Beijing is being much more cautious about its trading relationship with Moscow. In what might amount to a little state-sponsored looting, Russian agents have seized millions of dollars worth of Odimar Piguet watches from the firm's Moscow building. The Russian security service gave some excuse about customs problems, but the Swiss press reports it's most likely retaliation for Switzerland's decision to drop its traditional neutrality and impose sanctions. We're updating those headlines as news happens until 1 p.m. Eastern, so keep checking in. Also coming up, the problem with professionalism at work. WebEx is driving hybrid work by ensuring almost anyone, almost anywhere can be seen, heard, and have the ability to contribute equally. Learn more at webex.com slash hybrid work. At the Oscars last night, Apple TV Plus became the first streaming service to win Best Picture for its film, Coda. And one of its stars, Troy Kotzer, picked up Best Supporting Actor. He's the first deaf man to win an Oscar. Best Supporting Actress went to West Side Story's Ariana DeBose, the first openly queer woman of color to win for acting. President Biden is going after billionaires and their tax loopholes. According to CNBC, as part of his budget proposal for next year, Biden will introduce a 20% minimum tax rate on the 700 U.S. households worth more than $100 million. The plan would reportedly reduce the deficit by about $360 billion in the next decade. This is my favorite fun fact that puts billionaires' obscene wealth into perspective. Even if you received $5,000 a day for 500 years, you still wouldn't be a billionaire. The FDA is expected to authorize a second COVID booster shot, possibly as soon as tomorrow. The Pfizer and Moderna boosters would be for adults 50 and older. 
as concerns of another COVID surge from the Omicron subvariant are growing, an additional booster would provide extra protection. The Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins died suddenly on Friday night. He was just 50 years old. The band was in Colombia getting ready to perform in Bogota. Colombia's attorney general said Hawkins had an enlarged heart and about 10 different substances in his system when he died, including opioids, antidepressants, and benzodiazepines. I'm sure we've all been told at some point to act professional, right? To like dress appropriately and behave a certain way in the workplace. But the very idea of professionalism is not only outdated, it can also be discriminatory and biased. This cultural norm assumes a wealthy white male standard and it frequently punishes women and people of color who don't conform to it. Here to talk about it is Drake Bear. He writes about workplace culture for Insider. Drake, what I love about this is that professionalism is one of those terms that it feels like it's always been there, but it actually comes from like the 1930s, you write. Yeah. So what we today consider like elite professional services, management consulting, venture capital, investment banking, those all came up in the 1930s and the 1940s. And in fact, these firms very purposefully attuned to what elite looked like in whatever market they were in. So as they were moving into England, they were looking for Oxford degrees and Etonian accents. And in Germany, they learned to spot men who had saber wounds on their cheeks, since fencing was a pastime of high class families. (laughs) And the point is that over time, our brains have come to associate or even conflate these things, that the qualifications for these roles and these big jobs are often mistaken for the social characteristics of the people who have held them historically. And you also write that this kind of professionalism is a form of gaslighting, that it's crazy making. How so? So gaslighting, you know, is when someone denies your reality to you Mm -hmm. and says that's not the case. There are these objective standards. And if you don't meet them, it's your fault. If you could just be a little more this or that, then you wouldn't face bias or discrimination. The, the training offerings that are out there to, quote, fix the women, end quote, <laughs> right? These various seminars where you're told how to dress, how to do your hair, how to present yourself, how to negotiate, but not too hard, how to be assertive without being too much. So this obviously hurts employees, but how does it hurt companies? Does it hurt companies as well? So I had a brilliant colleague who always used to say, Diversity without inclusion is a revolving door of talent. Mm. If half your workforce is having to do all of this additional emotional labor, what's also been called an inclusion tax, if they're not meaningfully included, if they're evaluated for how they look or sound rather than their work, they're not going to stick around very long. And given the war for talent that's on right now, it's really on employers to provide the best employee experience possible. Yeah. So how can they help fight this problem? So what you can do is literally block out the names on resumes. If you're recruiting, block out hobbies. There are elite hobbies like boating (laughs) versus less elite hobbies, right? Anything that signals gender, race, class, just strip those things out and get to the actual work experience itself. So what is your biggest takeaway from your reporting? I think the biggest takeaway is that professionalism, just like every other standard uh, or norm in business, didn't fall from the sky. It hasn't always been there. And it's been like actively cultivated. And there are some people who benefit 
and some people who don't. So the more that we have language to talk about these things person to person and also realize that these assumptions are baked into our systems, the more equitable we can make our workplaces. Thanks so much for chatting, Drake. Thank you. Drake Bear writes about business culture for Insider. Be sure to follow the refresh from Insider on your favorite podcast apps or better yet, go to insider.com slash the refresh to use our custom designed player. We also want to hear from you. Reach us at the refresh at insider.com. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. Thanks for listening to the refresh from Insider. Insider.